I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself, or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. Accepted the, the podcast. podcast, and I'm not Theo. I'm not Juliet. And tell me what's shaking, bacon. Oh, so this week I had to go on a business trip, and I went to the middle of oh, Trump exciting. country. Um, oh, yeah, well, middle of Trump co- country, but very happy to say, no flags, no bumper stickers, really, no, no handmade signs anywhere. Really? Yeah, not not a one, and I wow. was looking for them. That's so strange. And I didn't. It wasn't that kind of a business trip where you just go straight to your hotel room, stay in your hotel, and then yeah. meet with your yeah. client and then leave. I drove yeah. all over the county. I probably spent three hours driving back and forth yeah. between these two towns. Which, out of respect for um, these two towns, I won't mention their names, but Midland and Odessa. So, yeah, that, that was them. Um, and we'll just say, like, you know when you walk into a room and you're not wanted? Yeah. It was the opposite. I walked in and I was like, no, thank you. Nope. <laughs> no. Nope. Oh, wow. I went to the airport four hours early. Oh, God. I know that feeling. So, yeah. oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was, Just to it, get me out of here, I'm leaving. I'm getting as close to out as I can. And I will say, everybody was perfectly nice. As a matter of fact, that's probably what freaked me out was like if you walked into a 7 Eleven, <laughs> the person behind the register would be like, Hi. Hey, sir, how, are, how are, you? are you? What's How's going on? And then if you ask a question, because I needed a, a I'm going to call it a thing, I needed a thing to connect my phone to the car i needed a usb yeah. cable right of course like yeah. an idiot i didn't bring one yeah the guy came out from behind the register and spent 10 Aww. minutes helping me figure Aww. out which cord would be the best right Aww. super nice i mean i'm not i'm not making fun of him for being nice i'm saying i was That's waiting so for sweet. him to stab me and take my wallet like why are you wow. yeah what's going on so so that but the other bit that um that struck me was when I got to Austin Airport, we did this weird thing that we've never done. I've never had this happen anywhere, yeah. right? So, you know, you go to the ticket counter and you get your ticket and then you take your bag, your carry-on or whatever, and you go to security. And then at that point, you have like TSA pre-check or regular security line or yeah. clear, right? Yeah. So um, I have clear um yeah, tried it for like a year and not a commercial for them works great love it yeah right it's great awesome with zero complaints um and so i walked up to the clear thing and it was roped off right mm-hmm. and i'm very much a victim of the velvet rope where if mm-hmm. you put a velvet rope around a garbage can i need to be inside the garbage can i need to know what's <laughs> happening i wh- why aren't i in there how dare you uh-huh. exclude me <laughs> And so I had that little feeling of like, 
well, I'm a member, right? Mm-hmm. And the lady was like, you have to get in that line over there. I'm sorry. And when you get to, and then she pointed, there were a bunch of ropes and I don't want to make it too confusing. So whatever, she yeah. pointed to a different area and she said, when you get to this area, wave at me. And I was like, okay. okay. And she gave me a blue card that said clear on it, right? And I was okay. like, all right, cool. I got, I got this. So I stood in the long line and um, there were, everybody was in this line, right? So yes. it must have been like 100 people in the line. Right. And the line went through a a hall, not a hallway. Um, they roped off an area and they made a corridor that you walked down. And there mm-hmm. was a guy with a dog. Oh. And the dog would oh, come up dog. and sniff you. Yes. Yeah. Right. Never have experienced that. I've seen dogs in airports and all that. I've never walked through a, mm. and I've never seen everyone at the airport have to do this. Now, this was the day after Austin airport lost power for like four hours and they had to clear everybody out of the airport and cancel all flights. And it was, a, you know, it was uh-huh. a circus. So I was like, I wonder if, if yesterday's, power outage wasn't like oh a cable broke underground and we had to get underground to get to the and it took long but if it was like a terrorist thing right mm-hmm. and then as we were going through the dog sniffing thing it occurred to me oh and this was even actually in odessa as well as i was leaving odessa not that they had dogs but they had really tightened security and everybody had to go through the body screener. If you were TSA yeah. pre-check, they didn't have clear. Yeah. Didn't matter. Everybody um, had to go through the um, the body screener. And at both Austin and Odessa, you didn't have to take anything out of your bags. Just leave everything in your bags and stick huh. them through the x-ray machine, right? Yep. And so clearly they don't care if you're... You know, you've got a bottle of saline solution in your purse. They're looking for a specific thing. And so this is what occurred to me. Yeah. When Americans are the terrorist, how do you police for that? And this will sound terrible, right? But after September, which today, by the way, is September 11th. September 11th. Yeah. I didn't realize that until much later today. In the news, I was like, what's on this? I thought that was tomorrow. Oh, well. Um so for September 11th, um, it was, you know, uh, Muslims, Middle Easterners were the problem. And so mm-hmm. easy enough to, let me rephrase that, it wasn't easy enough, but it's like, okay, racial profile people and right. target people from specific countries as they're coming into the U.S. or headed out towards those countries. Great. Now it's like every American. Is there a Trump person who would carry a bomb onto a plane and blow it up yeah, because yeah, Trump yeah. isn't president? Uh, probably maybe right and so or i don't know i mean i don't want to give people ideas but you know jump off a cliff and scream how much you love trump and then the media will cover your tragic death and right your final but i mean we're not out. racial profiling so we're examining everybody right so that's that theoretically should be caught um, if if a trumper goes on with a bomb we would catch them because we're screening everybody right we're not just screening the Muslims and whatnot. Right. But yeah, that was the thing. It was like, oh my gosh, security is going to get like crazy in this country. So mm. that's where you should invest your money, everybody. Um, security. Based on my opinion. And, and, and your, your opinion is 100% solid. Oh, totally. I mean, futurists call me and ask me what's, what's it going to be like if 10 years from now I tell them. Yeah. That, that's why you manage my retirement fund. Yes. And then they take credit for my work and, um, you know, what can you do? 
So what about you? What's shaking bacon? Um, not a whole lot. Well, I got the last latest booster shot yesterday, the, the BA5 version um, that Pfizer put out. Um, Pfizer, man, I, uh, uh, the company that I work for just got bought by Pfizer. And I just made that connection in my head that oh. <laughs> <laughs> they're making the drugs that I'm shooting into my arm, um, at least one of them. Um, so... I got that shot. I feel fine. I feel perfectly fine. My arm hurts a little bit, but I'm not sick at all. So I'm convinced that they gave me, um, you know, like you said uh, in text, they, they've given me saline or whatever. Yeah. It's just water. Uh, it, it's nothing. It's not doing any good. I'm not going to be protected. I should just stay in my house like I've been doing and never talk to anyone again. My cousin texted me and wants to go camping, camping, not camping, because that would never happen. Hiking in the Southwest um, sometime soon. And I'm like, man, I don't know if Brent would be up for that, but uh, not that she invited Brent, but Brent is very cautious about who we hang out with and mm-hmm. what we do and where we go and where we travel and how we travel and all that kind of thing. So um, he's probably not into my going and hanging out with somebody for a while. But I told her, you know, I'd see, we'd see, we'd see how it looked, how things looked, and maybe I would go. But but the other thing I've been doing uh, leading to leading up to that is uh, planning some travel. So I do travel. I drive. I won't fly right now. But I will drive, and I just got back from Arizona where I was I just just there for a week. Usually I go for a few weeks, but I, I just wasn't feeling it this time. So I think I mentioned that in the last podcast, um, so I only stayed a week. Uh, but at the end of this month, which is September, we're going to be going down to Big Sur for a long weekend, and we're taking the dog to dog camp, so she'll be enjoying herself on vacation while we're on vacation. Um, I hope that the weather is nice in Big Sur. It could be anything. It'll probably be foggy, but I'm hoping that because it's the end of September, there's a chance of it being sunny because the summer weather tends to come uh, towards the fall time. So so that'll be nice. Um, staying in a nice hotel, not a super nice hotel because the super nice hotel that I wanted to stay in is like $4,000 a night. What? It. No. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I thought I was spending a lot when I went down to... Um, that other uh, hotel, Car- Carmel Valley, yeah, because that was that was significant some some money for me, but uh, but yeah, this is really insane amounts of money. So there's no way I'm, I don't know who I don't know who would even stay there. I mean, obviously people do because they're booked through most of the summer um, when I was looking. But anyway, so a, a nice hotel. Um, Going to go down and have dinner probably at the really nice hotel where we can sit out uh, on the lawn and overlook the ocean, which we did one time for lunch the last time we were down there, which was really nice. Uh, I think we'll, we'll do that. And then uh, later on in October, we're going to go to Ashland ostensibly for the Shakespeare Festival. And then in Thanksgiving, we just decided we would go to Death Valley. Because I like to go to Death Valley. Death Valley is beautiful. Have you been? I've never been to Death Valley it's in California or Arizona? I forget. Yes. Okay. It's in California. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, it's Parts of it are beautiful. Parts of it are very stark and kind of bleak. But uh, if you don't go when it's really hot, um, it, Thanksgiving, I went one time at Thanksgiving and it was a really good time to go because it was like 70 degrees and, you know, not, not too hot, not too cold and very pleasant weather. You can travel around and look at everything without worrying about dying. So, That's so great. we stay at the Death Valley Lodge or whatever it's called, you know, the, the nice hotel in Death Valley. The last time I went, we stayed at a really cheap motel, so that was not so much fun. Um, but I think this will be this will be a, a really cool trip. And then for Christmas, we're just going to stay home, uh, just kind of chill out and not do not do any traveling. I think we, last year we went to Yucca Valley and rented an Airbnb for Christmas, but I think this year we'll just stay home. I don't know. Have you guys got any plans for Christmas? Or are you thinking about that at all? What's Christmas? <laughs> of course that was planned like in july 
Um, oh, really? Yeah. So James' sister and You're niece. going back to. No, we're not going no? to Scotland. I wish we were. Oh. I really do um, want to go back. I, I, I actually need that closure where mm-hmm. I walk past my in-laws um, home and realize that like, if I go up and knock on the door, they've no one who answers it will know who I am or care. Right. Um, but so, sad. yeah, well, I have to make something sad. Um, so let's see, Linda and Eve are coming to the U S and they, um, we'll have Christmas here, which would be great. So oh, nice. maybe my sister and my niece could come up during the holiday season and maybe we Yay. could do something like a group lunch or something. Um, yeah. which would be super fun for me. Um, yeah. let me think, uh, Thanksgiving, we are going to Palm Springs to have Thanksgiving with Terry and Yay. Halloween here, hand out candy. Um, although nobody came to the house last year. And so I'll still <laughs> buy $30 worth of Reese's peanut butter cups. Were you in this house last, thanks, last Christmas, Halloween? Yeah. You were? Okay. Okay. Wow. It's been that long. Yep. Yeah. It's been, it's been a year. Been a year. Um, and it's been a nice year. It really has. No shootings in this neighborhood. Yeah. Imagine. Wow. Thank God. Wow. Yeah. See, I always have to bring it down. If it goes up, I have to bring it down. If it's going down, I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm so contrary. Well, I know where you can get some really cool pillows for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> for $100 each, which I just think is, I know I know you've spent at least $100 on pillows, so no no, uh, no uh, shade, but that seems like a lot of money for a pillow to me, especially a Halloween pillow, which you're only going to use for like, you know, a week and then put it in storage and never remember that you bought it. So never well, use it again. That would be the problem. Yeah. See, when I spend a hundred dollars <laughs> on a pillow, that pillow uh-huh. goes front and center of the room, and no one's allowed to touch it or look at it. That pillow was a hundred bucks. Don't you get near it? So, um, yeah. Embarrassingly, oh. thank thank you for exposing my secret shame. You pillow whore, spending all that money on pillows. Oh, it's not the only thing you spend money on. But I'll oh, get well, there. yeah. <laughs> So speaking of spending, spending money, money, yeah, let's get <laughs> let's get to the podcast, shall we? Yes, let's. Um, a Texas non-denominational church known as the Door Christian Fellowship Ministries in McAllen, Texas, and I looked up McAllen, Texas because I'd never heard of it, and it's way down there at the tail end of Texas, down by Mexico, um, at that little little tail shape part of Texas. Um, so it's, I guess there there must be a lot of um, um, Mexican folk and Hispanic types. Latino folks living down there, but it wasn't. It didn't come up in the story, so irrelevant. Um, anyway, so the Door Christian Fellowship Ministries in Mac Island, Texas, apologized in August for an unauthorized Christian-themed version of the Broadway musical Hamilton that concluded with a sermon by a pastor comparing being gay to being addicted to alcohol or drugs. He knows exactly what you've gone through, the pastor said. You've gone through maybe broken marriages. Maybe you struggle with alcohol, with drugs, with homosexuality. Maybe you struggle with other things in your life, your finances, whatever. God can help you tonight. He wants to forgive you for your sins. Have you seen Hamilton? I have seen him. I've seen the uh, the Disney streaming version of Hamilton, which was the original Broadway oh. show filmed. Oh, really? How do you see that? Is it is it available like on Hulu or some shit? No, it's on Disney Plus. Um, And they're keeping that shit locked down. They paid $75 million for the rights to stream (sighs) Hamilton's uh, Broadway production. And it was good. It was good? Yep. You didn't love it? 
I really, really loved it. Um, would I say that that ticket was worth $3,000? I don't love musical theater that much. So personally, no. Are you no. saying you paid $3,000 to watch the streaming version? Or are you saying it was $3,000 to get tickets to $3,000 to see it, to have seen the show uh, live, we'll say back in the day. I don't know what money. tickets are now. Maybe they're 800 um, Yeah, Broadway tickets are stupidly expensive. Uh, Book of Mormon was That's going really for the same price. That's insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can get a $40 ticket, right? You just have to stand yeah. in line for like six hours and then go on a Tuesday, the first Tuesday of the month at like I noon or something stupid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's in the basement and you can just enjoy the echoes uh, of the show. Definitely a third. What is it? Um, a, a second rate citizen. Oh, yeah. For third sure. rate citizen. For sure. <laughs> Not but, with the $3,000 people. Yeah. Speaking of $3,000, I almost, I came so close to spending $3,000 on a Chanel bag. No, And I'm so stop. glad I didn't do it. I know, I'm not going to do it. But I, I, I came close. I, I, I yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> what do you, you want to talk about pillows again? <laughs> I know. I, it was just such a cute bag. And I was like, I can use this forever. This is an investment. <laughs> and then I thought, what the fuck? I'm going to have this Chanel bag. Oh, I, it's not for me. It's for other people to look at and think, ooh, she has a Chanel bag. And whatever. If Who they cares? even know what a Chanel bag is. Because, hi, I'm a Philistine. And so, like, I wouldn't know. Well, I'm going to get a fake one. Because then people won't know that it, people, most people won't know whether it's fake or not. All right. <laughs> or I'm just not going to get one at all and keep using my stupid Michael Kors bag that I have been dragging around for all this time. So anyway, um, we're talking about money. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about God forgiving you for your sins of greed and <laughs> everything else. You've got your ha- having trouble with finances. So yeah, okay, hi. <laughs> so the two-hour Hamilton show that this this church put on was performed without the required license. So I don't know if everyone knows, but if you are going to perform um, a show, you have to have a license to perform the show, and I guess you get it from the show itself. Um, but not only did they not have the license, but they changed some lyrics and added new lyrics to the to the Tony Award-winning musical. Uh, the church was sent a cease and desist letter from the production, the the real Hamilton production team, after the August 5th performance was live streamed to the church's YouTube channel. Um, and so the live stream production and trailer were later removed from YouTube and its social media page. Right. And I wonder if they had not live streamed it if yeah. we'd ever known that that this Probably. thing had happened. Probably. Uh, I'm, I'm almost sure of it because, I, I, as we'll get to in a little bit, this, <laughs> this may have happened before with this church. They may have done something like this in the past. Um, but Shane Marshall Brown, a spokesperson for the authorized Hamilton musical, stated, Hamilton does not grant amateur or professional licenses for any stage productions and did not grant one to the Door Church. We issued a cease and desist letter for the unauthorized use of Hamilton's intellectual property, demanding the immediate removal of all videos and images from previous productions from the Internet, including YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, their own website, and elsewhere. And the statement from Hamilton also noted, the Hamilton family stands for tolerance, compassion, inclusivity, and certainly LGBTQ plus rights. We are in the process of reviewing the unauthorized changes made to the script to determine further action. 
So it turns out that um, the Dora McAllen pastor, Roman Gutierrez, had apparently lied to a, in an interview to the Dallas News in which he said that he had previously acquired legal permission to produce the show. So we have a pastor lying to the press, which is not good. Lying or misinterpreting what he was told. It's so th- I know, right? It's a little squishy what? there, right? So, <laughs> so um, apparently, how this played out was the church um, Wednesday made a big announcement um, uh, after a service saying, and they uh-huh. live stream their services, right? Uh-huh. You know, get as get as many ears towards Jesus as you can. Um, of course. Hey, we're gonna. Hey, kids, we're gonna have a big show on Friday and Saturday and Sunday, and it's gonna be Hamilton. And then they played this clip, right, of their performance. So they videoed a rehearsal and they made a little teaser mm-hmm. clip that was a minute mm-hmm. long. And it basically it's Hamilton. I mean, it is Hamilton. Uh, and they used Hamilton's logo um, to promote their show. Didn't adapt that in any way. Um, and then uh, they had their production on Friday, which. Uh, had very high production values. Did you see any of the clips on? Um, I saw a TikTok? couple briefly, but didn't didn't pay too much attention. And, and me too. Like I've seen the real Hamilton and was impressed yeah. by it through Disney. Thank you, Disney Streaming Plus. Right. Um, but still, this was really well done. I was expecting it to be hokey and cringy, and you know, yeah. Uh, um, and it wasn't. But the people could actually sing, and there were nice sets and things like that. Yeah, the costumes were amazing. I mean, wow. if you showed me a clip of that and said, this is Hamilton, the Broadway production, I'd be like, eh, cool, sure. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyway, so they live-streamed it on Friday, and on Saturday they received the cease and desist um, letter and spoke with some... Now, this, this is what the church was claiming, right? Mm-hmm. That they spoke with an attorney um, over the phone who worked for Real Hamilton. And the attorney said, all right, you guys, you know what? I know you worked real hard on this, and, and I feel bad for you guys, essentially. Um, so you can um, perform it for yourselves, but you can't live stream it. And you could do that um, on Saturday while we look into this and we determine whether or not and how much of a copyright infringement it is, right? So that could be what the pastor or preacher or whatever meant. I don't know what terms to use, right? Maybe. The big guy um, Uh meant when he said, we have permission. He may have misinterpreted what he was told, which was, you don't have permission to do this, but you can have another private showing, you know, in the, in your basement. Um, right. 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 That nobody can see. You're not broadcasting. Don't advertise it. Don't. Yeah. Right. right. But then, the, so the church did advertise that they uh, sent a message out to their congregation and they were like, hey, listen, online, it says that this was canceled for Saturday. It's not. It's it's mm. going on. It's just going to go on in the basement at church. So you have Mm -hmm. to come to church. We're not going to live stream it. So that's sort of where I think maybe uh, I'd be the first person to throw a dart at at the church for breaking the law. How terrible of you. Yeah. But eh, I can't a little bit of a misunderstanding or hearing what you wanted to hear. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, and so as as you kind of alluded to earlier, it's it's not the first time that Dora McAllen has has done this, has taken a play and made it their own, so to speak. Tell um, me more. Archive. 
An archived version of the website for the Dora McAllen shows they've also held productions of Despicable Me, Toy Story, and Beauty and the Beast. Um, only Sky Media reported that the Dora McAllen took the entire script from the Disney movie stage adaptation of Beauty and the Beast, presumably without permission, advertised it with the poster from the 2017 live-action movie, altered the words to spread a Christian message, and made sure the Beast gets saved in the end. Only Sky noted, it's not just copyright infringement, it's changing the show to send a message the creators of the movie never intended. It's illegal. The fact that this video was on YouTube until this past weekend basically means that an intentionally copied version of the animated film show live action movie was shared on the church's YouTube channel, allowing people to see it for free instead of through a channel that would have paid the people who created it. The Hamilton fiasco wasn't a one-off error. It was the culmination of years of experience stealing secular works and purposely altering them for a Christian audience in order to spread the gospel. And that's the thing that just really gets my goat. I made up an expression. Yeah. Is that Did I make that up or is that a real thing? No, that's a real thing. Gets your goat. Weird. Okay. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? doesn't matter. So it's this idea that because we're Christian, we're entitled to do what we want to do because in the end result is bringing people closer to God. To so God, yeah. The ends justify the means, right? Right. Um, and no, no, no. It's cute. You think so? It's really cute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I agree. I agree. It's, it's egregious. Um, so I have an apology that we can talk about, unless you have some other background information you'd like to share. I do, because there were so many awesome. pathways to that I could have gone down in this story. Like, what is a church? What is a congregation? Um, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. But no, it was, what is stealing intellectual property? Why is what the church did bad, right? Because you could look at it as, well, we sewed the costumes ourselves, and we, you know, we memorized every line ourselves. <laughs> and, um, apparently they were playing um, the canned karaoke music. So they didn't even have an orchestra performing, right? So right. Uh, all of that. But, but you can kind of see like, well, lots of Saturday Night Live takes things and makes fun of them and um, puts that out on the... TV. I was going to trying to say internet. It's like they're not using the internet, Theo. Um, so, okay, what is intellectual property? What's going on here? Um, why was this legally a problem? Um, uh, to begin with, as you know, the church pro uh, produced Hamilton pretty faithful to the source material. They did change a few things. The end result of the uh, Hamilton church production was, it brings people closer to God. So Hamilton finds God through also finding democracy. Um, and they changed a couple of lines. So they did more than that. They they changed, but they, they probably added like 1% new material uh -huh. given that the lines they changed, right? So the opening line in Hamilton goes, how does a bastard orphan son of a whore, a Scotsman, Right. And the church version starts, how does a scoundrel orphan son of a harlot? Um, mm. Hamilton asks uh, in the original production, what is a legacy? It's planting a garden you never get to see. I wrote some notes at the beginning of a song, someone will sing for me, right? And the Hamilton version, church version is, what is a legacy? 
essentially it's finding Jesus and bringing other mm-hmm. people to Jesus. Um, and Eliza at the end of Hamilton um, has started an orphanage for children. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, in the original production, she says, I help to raise hundreds of children. I get to see them growing up. Uh, and in the church production, she says, I help to introduce these kids to Jesus. So, okay, they they took the original material and they changed it a bit, but not enough to not get sued, right? And it turns out there is no way to really take original source material and change it just enough to not get sued. To not get sued, right? yeah. Okay, so um, let's look at this. Copyright law, it particularly as it pertains to intellectual property. Um, so for the longest time in U.S. history, copyright stealing um, in the laws of the U.S., it was legal to steal international copyrights. So you could take a book, a painting, you could take whatever you want from outside of the U.S. and reproduce it in the U.S. and wow. sell it. Sell it. Wow. And as long as it was a dirty foreigner you were ripping off, it was fine. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so Charles Dickens in January of 1842 had enough of this bullshit. And he came to U.S. to make a point. Right? Mm-hmm. And he wrote to a friend about his feelings. His books were being produced in the U.S. without um, any of the profits being sent to him, but under his name. Right? And so he says, I liken it to being mugged and then paraded down the street in ridiculous clothes. Is it tolerable that besides being robbed and rifled and also should be forced to appear in any form, in any vulgar dress, in any atrocious company? Dickens argued that um, American literature would flourish only when American publishers were compelled by law to pay everybody what they would deserve for producing original content. Publishers and printers unwilling to give up the market for the unauthorized reprints lobbied Congress and basically said, listen, don't pay attention to these dirty foreigners. What do they know about the U.S.? And he was, uh, Dickens, was vilified um, by the press, right? It took um, decades, it was about 30 years later, that Congress passed the International Copyright Act. Um, But that law required that the material be produced in the U.S. And there were also a lot of other conditions around the production of that material that made it close to impossible, right? So people still got to rip off international ideas and sell them and keep the money. It took until 1952 um, when the U.S. signed the Universal Copyright Convention. And um, embarrassingly, in 1989, literary and artistic works were included in that um, about 100 years after um, a treaty had been um, put into place throughout Europe um, where they were going to protect each other's copyrights, intellectual copyrights. Uh, Let's see. There remains no such thing as an international copyright. So basically, you're dependent upon a country to honor international copyright. Interesting. You can't go and sue somebody in China because they steal your podcast, Apologies Accepted, right, and put it out as their own even if they took it and rebroadcast it and made money off of it, bastards, right? right? 
They could do that. They well. could do that because the law in China allows them to do that in international copyright um, protections. There's just not enough teeth there. So everybody understands what a copyright is. Copyright means the material is yours. Indisputably, it's yours. But there are times when you can actually take somebody's work and twist it a little bit and not get in trouble, right? That That's mm. legal, right? And so let's look at parody and in particular parody versus satire. I'd mentioned Saturday Night Live early in this and they'll take clips from a movie and make fun of it, right? And, and you know that they're making fun of the piece, but it might be line for line the exact same thing that appears in the movie. And Saturday Night mm -hmm. Live, uh, I mean, they may very well be asking people for permission just to be buttoned up, right? But legally, they don't have to. Um, I have pages and pages and pages of law, and I'm not going to take us all through um, all of this, but we will say that um, looking at when is it right to air quotes around steal? When is it right to steal somebody's intellectual property, right? And uh, parody and satire play important roles in in this decision. How do you, you know, what's the line? And the line apparently is parody versus satire. So section 107 of the Copyright Act um, is a section that provides for fair use. And that's a doctrine which allows certain actions which otherwise would amount to copyright infringement. Both parody and satire employ humor and commentary and criticism, but the key distinction is the purpose each serves. Satire is defined as the use of humor, irony, exaggeration, or ridicule to expose and criticize people's stupidity or vices, particularly mm -hmm. in the context of contemporary politics and other topical issues. If you compare that to the definition of parody, that's a literary or musical work in which the style of an author or the work itself is closely imitated for comedic effect or in ridicule. While both parody and satire use humor as a tool to send a message, the purpose of a parody is to comment on the work, right? Um, by definition, a parody is a comedic commentary about the work that requires an imitation of the work. Satire, however, even when it uses a creative work as a vehicle for the message, offers commentary and criticism about the world, not that specific creative work. Therefore, parodies use the copyrighted material to poke fun at the material. Satire uses the material to make bigger points about life, the universe, and everything. Um, so, as the Supreme Court explained in Campbell v. Akuf Rose Music, I'm sure you'll remember that case, Mm -hmm. um, parody needs to mimic an original to make its point, and so has some claim to the use of the creation of its victim, or collective victim's, imagination. Where satire stands on its own two feet, and so requires justification for the very act of borrowing. Um, Alright, so that's cool. So, real gray areas sometimes between parody and satire, you can get to arguing stuff, right? So, because this has been such an issue throughout the history of the development of copyright laws, there is something that is known as the four-factor of fair use analysis. And this is what hmm. a judge will use to determine whether or not something constitutes fair use. And fair use just means, yeah, you you could use that, right? We might remember mm -hmm. um, um, friend of the show, Paris Hilton, who mm -hmm. used to have a website, I guess he still does, and he would take photographs of celebrities and 
use them without permission, post them on his website, and they'd write snide little comments on yeah. the photograph, yeah. right? Yeah. And he got sued a lot for that. Um, and sometimes he would settle and sometimes he wouldn't. But uh, in the end, it was ruled that he was allowed to do it because the end effect was uh, comedy, right? Okay. And so in a way, he was making a parody of the image and everybody's interest in celebrity. Um, right. Okay. So the four factors that judges use are the purpose and character of the use, the nature of the copyrighted work, the amount of material taken, and the effect of the use upon the potential market. So the purpose and character of use. And let's think about our church production um, taking the entirety of Hamilton and then adding a few lines and um, throwing in a lot of stuff about Jesus. So has the material that you've taken from the original work been transformed by adding new expression or meaning? Um, I mean, yes and no there, right? Because they did make it about Hamilton finding Jesus, which was not a part of the original show at all, right? Right. So maybe some wiggleish room there. Was value added to the original by creating new information, new aesthetics, new insights, and understandings? That one's going to be a hard no. They use the same choreography. They use the same set, set design. They use the same costumes, the same songs, the same lyrics, right? However, you could argue that if you were super Christian, right? Well, we did bring new aesthetics and new insights and new understandings to the production because it's about Jesus now. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Um, an example to help us better um, frame this principle of the purpose and character of your use. So an example, Roger borrows several quotes from the speech given by a CEO of a logging company. Roger prints these quotes under photos of old growth redwoods in his environmental newsletter. By juxtaposing the quotes with the photos of endangered trees, Roger has transformed the remarks from their original purpose and used them to create a new insight. The copying would probably be permitted as a fair use. Okay. The nature so that sort of sort of might sink with a little bit of this Hamilton thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The nature of the copyrighted work. Because the uh, dissemination of facts or information benefits the public. You have more leeway to copy from factual works, such as biographies, than you do from fictional works, such as plays or novels. And I'm going to guess because it takes more personal effort and work to come up with something that's fictive, right? As opposed to sure, sure. taking something, yeah, t- taking facts and I don't want to say retelling them. Uh, nonfiction, it's hard. But um, okay. In addition, you will have a stronger case of fair use if you copy the material from a published work rather than an unpublished work, right? The scope of fair use is narrower for unpublished works because an author has the right to control the first public appearance of his or her expression. Um, And then we get down to the amount sustainability of the portion taken. And so for general usage and satire, the less you take, the more likely that your copying will be excused as a fair use. However, if you take even a small portion of the work, your copying will not be fair use if the Mm. bit you take is the heart of the work, right? And they offered example, 
like say that you you're doing a satire and you use the opening um, music and the words I can't get no satisfaction from the song satisfaction that'd be a big no because that would be deemed the heart of the work right um, this rule the less is more rule is not necessarily true in parody. A parodist is permitted to borrow quite a lot, even the heart of the original work, in order to conjure up the original work. That's because the Supreme Court has acknowledged, oh, those bitches, the heart is also what most readily conjures up the original for parody, and it is the heart at which parody takes aim. Okay, the effective use on a potential market. This I thought was um, interesting. Another important Fair use factors, whether you're depriving the copyright owner of income or undermine a new potential market for the copyrighted work. Um, for example, and this is a real court case, an artist used a copyrighted photograph without permission as the basis for wood sculptures. He copied all the elements of the photo. The artist earned several hundred thousand dollars selling his sculptures. When the photograph sued, sorry, when the photographer sued, <laughs> photograph did not <laughs> how dare you use me without my permission <laughs> when the photographer sued the artist claimed his sculptures were fair use because the photographer would never have considered making sculptures the court disagreed huh. stating that it did not matter whether the photograph had considered making sculptures what mattered was that a potential market for sculptures of the photograph exist uh. again parody is given a slightly different um fair use analysis with regard to the impact on the market, it's possible that a parody may diminish or even destroy the market value of the original work. That is, the parody may be so good that the public can never take the original work seriously again. Although this may cause a loss of income, it's not the same type of a loss of income when an infringer merely appropriates the work. As one judge explained, the economic effect of a parody with which we are concerned is not its potential to destroy or diminish the market for the original. Any bad review can have that effect, but whether it fulfills the demand for the original. And this is where I think the Hamilton production falls down, the McAllen Church production, right? Um, it did just simply offer a lot of people who might have paid to see Hamilton a way to see Hamilton, mm -hmm. even a modest, slightly, mm -hmm. slightly modified version of Hamilton. But free. it wasn't modified for the purposes of satire or parody. So therefore, right. it, yeah, it can't be forgiven under those laws. Exactly. Um, so th then within all this, there's a fifth factor, which isn't one of the original four. Um, but the fifth factor <laughs> is uh, a subjective fair use factor. And it's just simply, are you good or bad? Fair, which, mm. okay, hmm, interesting, because we're dealing with a church and these are air quotes around good people. Fair use involves um, subjective judgments, often affected by factors such as a judge or a jury's personal sense of right or wrong. Despite the fact that the Supreme Court has indicated that offensiveness is not a fair use factor, you should be aware that a morally offended judge or jury may rationalize this decision against fair use. And that's going to be true for any case that you bring up in a court of law, right? Um, but, for example, in one case, a manufacturer of novelty cards parodied the successful children's dolls, the Cabbage Patch Kids. Gen X will remember those. Uh, millennials? Maybe? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure they're not around anymore. Um, the parody cards uh, series was entitled The Garbage Pail Kids. 
and use gruesome and grotesque names, which makes me laugh so much now. Um, oh, yeah, Brent loves those. I, I remember them vaguely, right? Yeah. Um, let's see. And so the whole thing pokes fun at the wholesome Cabbage Patch uh, image. I didn't realize that that was how they came about. I thought that the Cabbage Patch kids were much later than the Garbage Pail kids, but I, I don't remember. Yeah. No, Interesting. The, the I didn't know. Cabbage Patch kids came first, and the Garbage Pail kids followed. Hilarious. Right? And uh, copyright experts were surprised when a federal court considered the parody an infringement, not fair use. Hmm. Right? Hmm. And um, they used that case to say, well, things are subjective. And so the Garbage Pail kids were just offensive enough to bother a judge's moral sensibilities. And so he sided with the sweet, sweet baby Cabbage Patch kids. And he threw those hmm. horrible Garbage Pail kids into the trash where apparently they belonged. Um, and then some people mistakenly believe that if you cite a source, then it's you're allowed to use the work, mm -hmm. right? Or a big portion of it. Um, for example, people believe it's okay to take a photograph in a magazine as long as the name the photographer um, and that's not true. Acknowledgement of the source material, such as citing the photographer, may be considered in a fair use determination, but it will not protect against a claim of infringement. When in doubt, as to the right use of um, source material, the most prudent course would be to seek the permission of the copyright owner. Um, there's one last thing in all of this, and it's called uh, the de minimis defense diminish offense but too small for fair use right and that's basically like look sure we had we showed a we filmed a movie and there was a poster in the background and it's a copyrighted poster the poster shows up for three seconds so we did not have to ask the copyright holders permission to show this poster in a set for three seconds because it's three seconds Right. And it's not it's just background. It's not crucial to the plot or anything like that. Um, so so I found all of that to be interesting because I have I have seen high school productions of Broadway plays. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, did they have to get permission? And apparently, yes, yes, they do. Um, mm -hmm. So um, Broadway will uh, sell licenses to high schools. Um, I'm sure it greatly reduced uh, prices and, yeah. and or maybe even fair um, or free. Right. But yeah, you have you have to get permission even as a high school to produce a play. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, interesting. And then you would think that the McAllen Church, having done Despicable Me, Beauty and the Beast. What was the other one? Toy Story. Toy Story. Yeah. You think they might have stumbled across this. Right. I guess they weren't interested. Or didn't care or didn't think they'd get caught or everything's okay as long as we do it. I don't know. I don't know either. They didn't occur to them. They probably thought, well, we're a church. We can do what we want. I wonder where they got the, the what is it? It's not a script for a musical. It's a something else. The score? The score and all of that, I guess. Well, I guess they didn't need to because they used the karaoke. They used music. the karaoke music. So, and where did they get the lyrics and stuff from? I don't know. Probably watching um, Hamilton 10,000 times on Disney+. Plus. 
Maybe. Gosh, can you imagine? Uh, no. That, that being your job. I liked it, but, uh, well, I guess, <laughs> I mean, I suppose what you could do is you could play Hamilton and then have a voice-to-text transcriber. Oh, I see. Just sort of, but you'd still have to, like, follow along because the voice-to-text yeah. transcriber doesn't tell you the character names. But Right. Or there's a Christian black market for... That script. doesn't seem unlikely. I mean, anything can me. be true. We could say what we want. <laughs> yeah, we can say what we want. So, all right. Um, Let's hear that apology. apology. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the apology was put out by uh, the pastor, uh, Roman Gutierrez. Um, and he said, on behalf of the Door Christian Fellowship McAllen Church, I would like to personally apologize to the creator of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the producers of Hamilton, and the numerous others who contributed their intellectual property to Hamilton for staging an unauthorized production of Hamilton that infringed on the rights and copyrights of many. The Door Christian Fellowship McAllen Church did not ask for or receive a license from the producers or creators of Hamilton to produce, stage, replicate, or alter any part of Hamilton, nor did we seek prior permission to alter Lin-Manuel Miranda's work by changing the music, the lyrics, deleting songs, and adding dialogue. We respect the copyrights of Hamilton's author and contributors. These copyrights are protected by federal law. We acknowledge there are lawful avenues to obtain a license to stage properties which we did not pursue. And it is never permissible to alter an artistic work such as Hamilton without legal permission. I recognize as the pastor of the church that I have an obligation and responsibility to follow the law and educate our community about these protocols. Our ministry will use this moment as a learning opportunity about protected artistic works and intellectual property. On behalf of the Door Christian Fellowship McAllen Church, we agree we will never stage the performance again and we will destroy any and all video or sound recordings and images of the unauthorized performances or rehearsals and request that all our members do the same. Lastly, we will pay damages for our actions. So that's the apology. Um, let's take a look at it. Um, let's examine the apology and see what we think we, uh, we feel about it. Um, was there an expression of regret? I did not see one. Uh, I saw him acknowledge that, that they did wrong, but I didn't see any expression of regret. Um, I saw him say, yeah, we recognize that we have infringed on the copyrights of many, but I didn't see him say, sorry about it. Um, was there an explanation of what went wrong? No. Was there an acknowledgement of responsibility? Yes, he did say he was the pastor of the church and he has an obligation and responsibility to follow the law and educate the community about the protocols. So yes, there was that. Was there a declaration of repentance? Well, he did say he personally apologized. So does that count? I guess that counts. Um, was there an offer of repair? Yes, they're not going to um, stage the performance again. They're going to destroy all the recordings and they're um, going to pay damages, allegedly. I don't know if they did oh. pay damages, um, but they said they were going to pay damages. I have not seen in any future articles that the damages were paid. Um, and was there a request for forgiveness? No, there was no request for forgiveness. So do I accept this apology? Um I'll think about that a minute. Do I accept this apology? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I, I think they, they should have looked into what they were doing before they did it. I think they probably knew what they were doing was wrong and did it anyway. Um, they even potentially lied about it to the news. So I think the, uh, the, the apology 
could have been much better stated as well. So I'm going to I'm going to say no, I don't accept the apology and I'm going to give it a 3. Wow. Okay, because before you went through all of that, I was like uh-huh. Oh wow, this is this is maybe like a 9.8. Um oh. yeah. And maybe I Ooh, bitter disagreement oh, I between know. podcasters. Get ready. <laughs> I'm going to take you down with my Fight 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 fight. Um Yeah. So the thing I'm policing for is sort of my knee jerk liberal reaction to organized religion doing anything because the hypocrisy just Uh blinding always. Um, Yes. And so as we were reading it, I was like, that must have been really hard for him to to say, because he is saying, here's what we did. We didn't Mm -hmm. ask permission. And that was wrong. Um and that must have been a hard thing to just confess publicly. Um, no puns on confession. Um, and then it was like, okay, am I overcompensating for trying to not be a Christian hater? I'm not a Christian hater, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, But then you do raise a good point at... And so I'll say the other thing within all that, um, as you're reading it was, um, yeah, he's covering all the legal bases, right? Mm-hmm. And so this may mm-hmm. very well have been an apology that was drafted with the help of an attorney, right? Um, right. In order to get out of any potential bigger legal stuff. Cause when that apology comes before a judge, a judge will say, yeah. Oh, this is a pastor making this apology. And, Yes, right. but you are right that there's no um, no explanation as to what went wrong, which totally flew right by me. Um, no real expression of regret. Um, yeah. Mm, I'm going to give it a 7. I'm going to even a 6.5. So I'm still scoring <laughs> quite higher than you are. Um, and that may just be, I'm such a great guy. So forgiving. That's probably what it yeah. is. You're you're very yeah. kind. You're forgiving and all those good qualities. Yeah. So I guess that gives us an average of five point five, which I'm mostly guessing at. Um, <laughs> which, There's but no do you way to know. Accept the apology. Um, I do accept the apology, but here's why I accept the apology, okay. right? Because okay. um, they they are saying, hey, we did wrong, and we're going to pay for the wrong, we're going to financially pay for the wrong that we did. Um, and will the church hold a bake sale? to do- Sure, right? And will they go to the parishioners yeah, and be sure. like, hey, yeah. everybody, um, yeah, if you could kick in an extra five bucks this week, that'd be great. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I know I'm scoring higher because it's like, of course I would only give this a two because, you know, it's a church and they did something wrong and they're horrible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll stick with my 6.5, but, okay. but yeah, before you went through your, uh, your rationale, I was like 9.9 and I hate to do that because it's killing me to like do that. But <laughs> it, you know, Hey, yep, we did wrong yeah. and, and we're sorry. And here's the money and we'll not do it again. Um, yeah, I think it did still lack in some key aspects, so I'm sticking with my it's, three. Yeah, it's it's the legalese for me. Yeah, gotcha. 
so speaking of the whether they're going to pay damages for their actions, if they did pay damages for their actions, um, the representatives for Miranda and the official Hamilton production on Broadway told NBC News that all damages paid by the church would be donated to the South Texas Equality Project, which is a coalition of organizations that support and advocate for the LGBTQ community in the Rio Grande Valley. So down, down there where uh, where McAllen is, which I think that's great. Um, I hope that they did give Fork over some cash. For uh, for the equality oh, sure. Lynn Emanuel Hamilton Hamilton that's not his name. Uh, the last thing he needs is money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm sure whatever they got will be a very small drop in the bucket. But I for what has already got. I yeah. like this move, and it is really it is really genius. Which is mm-hmm. Hamilton the Hamilton family, as Lynn Emanuel said, is about inclusion, right? And so I think the only other thing he could have done that might have hurt the church more other than giving it to like a gay organization would have been going down to a gay bar, giving a bunch of gay alcoholics money for drinks. Next round's on <laughs> us, everybody. <laughs> I like the idea. I'll be there. What, what's that <laughs> happening? I'm there. Free drinks. I'm there. Very cool. So do you have a who's sorry now or, or an apologies expected? I have a who's sorry now. And the who's oh, sorry now is me. And for this uh, who's sorry now, I will take you back to um, the third grade when uh, during the summer we lived in an apartment complex and all the kids in the apartment complex were kids of single working mothers because it was the 70s, right? So we were left alone for 10 to 12 hours a day, Right. And we would hang out in the apartment um, rec room, right? So there was like a pool table and all that. And we would just spend the whole summer putting on plays, right? That's oh, all we did. How fun. And um, there was one play we were putting on about Barry Manilow because that song Lola was um, really popular at the time. Don't ask me about the play. I don't know, right? We were just singing that song. Her name was Lola. She was a showgirl. She was a showgirl, yeah. yeah. So... Um, one of the kids had a mom whose name was Lois. And uh-huh. I thought it was hysterical when I changed the lyric from Lola to Lois, right? She was a showgirl. Um, <laughs> and the kid got very upset, super, oh. super upset, right, at me. Like fighting upset and crying upset. And so wow. I did the thing that all kids do when you catch them in a lie. And I lied about lying. And I said, uh, I mean, I still remember it to this day, right? Like, no, I didn't say that. I, I said Lola. No, I didn't say that because I didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't want to be an asshole, all that sort of stuff. Um, and so I lied and I lied and I lied. And then I don't remember how it ended. Two hours later, everything was fine and we were all friends again, right? Um, so cool. But um, I think, I'm pretty sure, I probably did say that. And so I would like to apologize to that kid all those years ago for performing a musical production without permission. (laughs) (laughs) And for inserting his mother's name into the song, because not funny at all. She could not dance to save her life. It's awful. (laughs) I'm awful. He's going to hear this and come for me. Uh, He won't. Bet. Okay. What about you? Who's sorry now? Apology expected. I have an apology expected, and it's not really related. Um, 
it's not related at all to musicals or anything like that because I'm not good enough at coming up with things that are related. Um, but it, it is about a Michael Jennings of uh, Childersburg or Childersburg, Childersburg, Alabama, was arrested in May while watering flowers for a friend after a neighbor who didn't recognize him called the police, thinking Jennings was a suspicious person at the house of another neighbor who was out of town. Jennings was taken into custody and booked into Talladega County Jail, where he was released after posting $500 bail, um, and his charges were then dismissed on June 1st. In a news conference, Jennings said he felt dehumanized and humiliated during the arrest and that his wife and a neighbor pleaded with police to release him. Jennings' attorney said Saturday that based on their interpretation of Alabama law, Jennings had permission to be on private property and therefore was not required to identify himself to the officers. Guess what color Mr. Jennings was? Oh, I was going to ask that. I mean, um, not white. Not white. He was a black man. Uh, Attorney Harry Daniels says he hopes the interaction captured on a video that has long since gone viral puts law enforcement across the nation on notice that that's not how it's done. So hopefully, um, hopefully Mr. Jennings will prevail in his lawsuit. He's suing them now. Um, He's suing the police now. And good for him. And I hope that they apologize. Um, I hope they do more than apologize. Yeah, I hope they give him a ton of money and uh, and apologize. Yeah, and he better keep that money and not like do give it away to a charity or something. Which would he sounds like the kind of person who <laughs> would do that. Keep that money, Mr. Jennings. It's yours. That's right. It's yours. You earned it. <laughs> yeah, you earned it. Um, you earned. Oh it. my gosh, that's just. Isn't that horrible? You hear more and more about these kinds of things going on now, and people. Getting, getting up in other people's business and making assumptions they have no right to make, and especially with people of color. And, you know, if you see a people of color walking by you, or I've seen so many TikToks where people of color will park their car somewhere that a white person doesn't like that they park their car, and it becomes this big deal, and the police get called. And just mind your own business, people. Keep in your, stay in your lane. I mean, short answer is just pretend the person's white doing what they're doing and then ask yourself, is this an issue for me? Right. Right. Um, and why is it an issue where someone parks for well, you? Anyway? I just, it's none of your fucking I mean, you business, shouldn't even right? have to go through that type of a, uh, you shouldn't even have to go through that. Like I'll pretend that this person's white and then I'll examine mm-hmm. if their actions still bother me. Right. Yeah. Um, God, that's more and more. It's just like everybody calm the <sighs> fuck down. Jesus Christ. Yeah. We have a lot more important shit to worry about. Than the whole this. fucking planet's dying and on fire. And you're yep. worried that some black man's casing a house and pretending to water flowers. Go over there and introduce Ridiculous. yourself if you're that fucking concerned. That's right. Be nice. Say, hi, I'm Joe. I live next door. I see I, you watering uh, those flowers. Is he it's nice of you to water the flowers. Paying you Mr. to do Green. that? Or are you here to steal? That's <laughs> uh, awful. It's all right. So... I think this is it for us for this week. It has to be. Um, it has to be. On that lively note, we will uh, adjourn. So, all right, everybody, stay cool, cucumbers. Okay, great. I love that. <laughs> we now have a name for our listeners, cucumbers. Cucumbers. That's right. <laughs> yeah, everybody, have a great week. And we will see you next week, and we love you, and We goodbye. love your applause more, but goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to.
to Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at ApologiesAccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted. And on Instagram at Apologies.Accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>